Welcome to In The Loop, a podcast about WordPress and agency life. I'm your host, Megan. In today's episode, Corey and I chat with David Wolfpaw, an Orlando-based developer who specializes in website maintenance and support. Before we dive in, I wanted to highlight a few WordPress events coming up. Happening right now through Friday is WordSesh, a WP Sessions event. Everything is recorded and you can register for free, so get your ticket today and rewatch whatever you've missed so far. Just visit wordsesh.com. WordCamp Europe will be June 7th to the 9th. They have an adjusted schedule and format from what they did last year, so be sure to check out europe.wordcamp.org. And WordFest Live, the 24-hour online WordPress and wellness celebration, is returning on July 23rd. If you're interested in helping, be on the lookout for the call for volunteers. That will be opening up shortly. And you can get more information about the event at wordfest.live. So joining us today is David Wolfpaw. David is a self-described web developer and troublemaker based in Orlando. He runs a WordPress maintenance and support company and organizes and speaks at WordCamps and meetups. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, like what you do for work and how you use WordPress. Uh, yeah. So um, usually when I'm talking WordPress specifically, I'll, I'll start with I used it starting in 2008. Um, so it's been, well, I guess 13 years now, which seems like way too long of a time to be using one piece of software, but here we are. Um, before that I was doing custom web development almost entirely with PHP for clients. So it was, it seemed like the natural next step when I was looking to do more blog based sites. Um, the first site I actually did was a site for myself. Uh, so I could, you know, test it out make sure it worked. So that's where my first, uh, WordPress blog came from. It is no longer still online, but I have plenty more up there now. Um, most of the work that I do uh, started out building custom themes and plugins for clients uh, or building integrations between existing plugins. But over the past five years or so, I've switched into focusing specifically on maintenance. Uh, so handling ongoing requests for my clients. And it's been quite a shift there that I imagine we'll talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was interested. I, I had listened to your WP Coffee Talk episode and I was interested in like how you made that decision to switch into the maintenance and really more generally, like where do you draw the lines? Because, you know, we we struggle with that here sometimes where we're like, oh, what counts as maintenance and what is like an actual request? So mm -hmm. do you yeah, want to share about that? Should we split? Let's split this question into two because there's like two really interesting <laughs> places we could delve into. So like, why don't we start with what made you decide to go down that road? Um, yeah. So uh, for years I had been, um, I should say I was building sites while I was working at other agencies. I was building sites where I had an agency that I formed with friends. And then um, also when I was a solo uh, practitioner. Um, so at, at various points I was building sites for different clients, but they all had different kinds of needs. So when I was working for another agency, they had a certain expectation since they were paying regularly for work that we would just do whatever new tasks came up. Um, when I was building sites for clients myself, it really started out as a, you know, we would get the design files or we would create our design files. I would turn them into a theme. We would get all their content together and, you know, ship them a final project. Um, and that works, but there's so much more that goes into a site than just the initial launch. Um, some clients didn't really understand how to update things themselves. And so, you know, we'd get on like a screen share or uh, if it's an in-person client and walk them through, here's how you update things. Um, some people just don't want to do that, which is perfectly reasonable. Um, I think one of the most important things uh, that I think about for my job is that my clients have all sorts of different um, business types that they run. And none of my clients are in the business of building websites. <laughs> um, I'm not in the business of doing any of the things that my clients do either, but I understand my portion and I can help their business succeed. You know, so like they're running an e-commerce shop. I can make recommendations on how to better position things, how to make their site faster so that people can uh, get to it quicker or something as simple as making sure the shopping cart link isn't broken, <laughs> um, you know things happen. Um, 
but I can't specifically tell them, oh, you should release this project product instead of that other one, or, oh, you should, you know, do this kind of marketing for your clients. Those are things that they're good at. Um, but uh, sorry. So uh, I was saying that after we initially launch a site, there's a lot more that goes into it that most clients, you know, don't think about. And uh, that wasn't really my job at the time, but people would come back later and say, you know, help. We lost everything. We um, didn't have any backups. We got hacked and we lost a lot of things. We want to add these new products to the site. We don't know how to do it. We want to uh, make some color changes to the theme and we don't know where to do that. Um, So eventually I was just like, sure, I'll take care of this. I'll take care of that. Try to figure out, you know, oh, well, this thing is going to take a few hours. Let me try to figure out a scope. And we go back and forth on an estimate and then I create an invoice and we go back and forth on that and everything Um, to the point where eventually to some of my clients that I was talking to regularly, I said, how about if I just make a monthly plan, uh, something where I can just take care of problems as they arise. Um, That was in about, I think, 2015. And within about two years, I just stopped doing custom development um, because I realized, I mean, I still, I should say I still do it and I do still do it for existing clients, um, but it's not my main focus anymore. Now my focus is, you know, you have an existing site come to me to have things like backups and security and speed optimization when you onboard and um, all all sorts of things I do. The most important thing for my clients has been uh, ongoing maintenance. And again, those are all the little things I was talking about. They just sometimes send me some pictures and a document and say, here's a new page we want to create. Just put it on the site for us. Here are our new products, get them up for us. Um, We're looking for a plugin to share things to social media. Help us out with that. So you don't, you don't make a distinction between um, maintenance as like uh, keeping a site up, updated and fast and whatever versus uh, new features or, or, or even content, essentially. Um, I do, but for most clients, that second part is the thing that they really care about. Mm-hmm. The other things, I mean, you know, if, if somebody... When you when you're buying a car, you have to get you know auto insurance because you have to. But no one's like you know you're thinking about oh I'm going to go get the newest car that has these features and I want this color paint job and all that. You're not thinking oh and you know what I also want this kind of insurance coverage and all these things that are for the just in case. Or oh I want to think about what type of uh, oil I'm putting into the car. I'm trying to stretch the analogy here. <laughs> um, you know those so things weird. that those things that are a little bit. Um, more invisible until they're needed. And then, you know, and then when they're needed, it can be a panic if you don't have them. Um, so even though those are probably the most important things that I offer to my clients, uh, those are not the things that they see. And they're not usually the things that are, that I sell as most important because that's not what they care about. Um, which is perfectly fine. I'm happy to have all of that run in the background. I mean, a lot of those tasks are the ones that can be automated. The real time that I spend with clients is, you know, I'll get on the phone with them and we'll discuss something new coming to their business um, and, you know, what we can do to prepare for it. Um, I do reviews every once in a while to ensure that things are running as they should be on the site. Uh, so, you know, I notice if there's any big sudden changes in how quickly it's loading for people and we address that. Um, all the things that they're actually more likely to notice. I like that. I like that they're rolled together because I feel like as developers, we know the importance of like the maintenance in the traditional sense of keeping everything updated. But of course, to them, yeah, and backed up and backed up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a good host will also do that. But you know, and that's that's a lot. uh, That's a lot harder sell these days for me. Um, uh, When I was first starting to do this, it was really easy to say, oh, yeah, your host doesn't do that or your host might charge you more money for that. Um, And I do all these other things as well. Or have you actually tried to use it? Sometimes you can't. But quite honestly, most hosts do a really great job of a lot of these background tasks now. Uh, WordPress is a lot easier to do auto updates on. Um, It's a lot easier to manage things from even shared hosting accounts. You quickly go in and say, we're going to upgrade PHP. And I can also trust that it's probably going to work just fine. Um, I can create a staging site directly from your shared hosting environments. Like you don't even have to have, you know, top of the line hosting anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been really great. But that also means that I've had to shift a little bit of how I sell that service. um, Because if those are, if those are the things that I focus on when I'm talking to potential clients, they go, okay, but I'm on, you know, whatever hosting company, they already do that for me. So what am I paying you for? Right, right, right. 
So instead of had to shift over to more of the, let me take care of the things that, um, that you don't want to do in your business so that, or let me take care of the things that are more my expertise so that you can focus on the things that are yours. Yeah. Well, on the hosting subject, I'm guessing you've just worked with a ton of different hosts because everything you do is kind of this like inherited project state. And I know when you're (laughs) inheriting a project, it's like, it, it could be anywhere where they're hosting it. So have you had any like crazy stories or like <laughs> communication troubles with some of them? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I have clients right now on most of the major hosts, you know, that you would have heard about. Um, I, uh, I do have uh, specific arrangements with uh, SiteGround uh, for some, uh, you know, for some projects. And um, I've had that in the past with WP Engine, but I have clients on you know dozen different hosts and each one of them has their own different things to keep in mind about them there are a lot of times where the quickest way for me to solve a problem is to contact the host on behalf of the client where i go like i can do this but i can go talk to somebody who has like direct access and they can you know solve this much quicker uh, than i can um and so sometimes my job is to just be a middleman to you know go between uh, my client and their hosting company um that is the time where I can see miscommunication creep in. By that, I mean, people will come to me and say, oh, I talked to someone at my host, someone at my local meetup, someone at, uh, you know, one of my friends. And they said, the problem that we're having is this. And it turns out that it's a completely different problem. But the person, you know, was doing the same thing I would do. They would try to triage the problem and figure out where we're at. Um, and so they'd go, I'm told that I need to do this thing. And I look at it and I go, no, we actually need to do this other thing entirely. Um, uh, solving those problems mainly just comes down to trust. It's spending a lot of time with clients, you know, demonstrating I'm responding to things on timely manner. I'm giving you detailed feedback. And uh, so far I haven't broken anything. (laughs) (laughs) So, so do you, do you get new clients often coming to you with maybe a, maybe a bit of an emergency per se? Yes. Yeah. What (laughs) are those, what are the sorts of like, most common issues, let's say that, that like new clients come to you with, is, is there a kind of a baseline range of usual stuff? Uh, like I said, when it started out, it was really started out with the help my site got hacked or things like that, much more notable, um, things. Um, so I had to hire a plumber recently. We had a, uh, so maybe, maybe this can be an analogy for a few things. Uh, we had a clog um, in our house that, uh, that I tried, you know, snaking down the drain myself. And I was like, well, I know how to do this. It's just, you know, clog in the sink is probably like grease or whatever. Um, and I tried and tried and tried and I couldn't get it uh, out. And eventually I was like, okay, well, you know, my sink is flooding. I'm going to need to call someone to come in. So I did the thing that I should have done in the first place, which was allow someone else who has more expertise to come in and do their thing. Uh, the problem ended up being a little bit more complex than I thought. Uh, this, uh, the gentleman who came from this plumbing company did an excellent job. He had, um, like a little camera that was on one of the snake things and he was able to show me exactly what he was seeing. So one, he was demonstrating some trust there, not just coming in and being like, yeah, you need to replace, you know, everything here. He's like, no, here's what we're seeing right here. This is why this is happening. Educating you a little bit about the actual problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had the specialized tools and specialized knowledge that I did not have, um, same thing that I tried to apply with my clients saying, you know, like, sure, you can absolutely, like anyone can absolutely learn to thing, do the things I do. None of it's secret. I will teach you everything. Um, but do you want to spend all your time doing that? And also, do you want to get all of these fancy tools and learn how to use them all? Um, and then when he was done, I was like, oh, you know what? We've actually been having this other problem. Can you help us with this? And uh, he helped me fix um, an issue we were having with one of our toilets. And since he was already here, already doing work, he didn't charge me an extra money for that. He was just like, sure, here, you know, fix this thing. Um, and that's kind of how I see the work that I do. Besides coming in with that you know, specialized knowledge from doing this over and over again, um, that I'm able to come in and say, let me take care of the problem you're having. Also, I notice this other thing. Or also, they'll go, great, we got the problem fixed. Also, we have these, these other things we need to do. Um, and that can quickly turn the conversation into a, well, you know, we can form an ongoing relationship if that's something that would appeal to you. Um, I try not to do one-off projects so much. I really try to focus on the clients that could be long-term clients. So as an agency, right, we, um, we tend to stick to 
certain ways of building sites, certain plugins that are efficient for us. And then, you know, obviously we offer maintenance, ongoing maintenance after that. So it's in, in those sorts of regards, we more often than not know what might creep up with those sorts of things. But I, you know, I assume that the kind of, you know, getting back to um, we previously talked about just sort of inheriting projects that they can be in any state, they can be using any plugins, they might all be using entirely different page builders, perhaps. Um, do you find that you're, you just kind of are getting used to just the entire world of WordPress in every possible way that can be built? How do you deal with all those different possibilities? <laughs> Yeah. So for a few things, um, a few things that is just learning new tools, I'll go, oh, I've never heard of this plugin or, oh, I'm familiar with this page builder, but I haven't used it. Uh, so going to get a crash course in this. Um, that's where having that generalized experience beforehand comes in. You know, you're like, I know how to deal with this kind of thing. I know where things generally are. Presumably they have something in the settings menu that I can find, you know, or whatever uh, thing it may be. Um, sometimes I make suggestions on making changes. Uh, as one example, there's um, a lot of clients will be using Contact Form 7 uh, because it's free. It's available in the repo. There's a lot of reviews. It works fine for what it does, but they'll come to me with an issue like we're not getting any emails from our, um, you know, contact form. What's going on? And yeah, and so we go, okay, well, we need to solve that problem. So we have a few ways to solve that. But also, if you were using another plugin that uh, recorded all the entries, or if you were using this add-on for contact form seven, um, the database add-on, then you'd be able to at least go to your site and see, have I missed any entries? Yes or no. Um, and then while I'm there, I go, um, here's another plugin that I use. I might suggest as well. It's not that hard to you know, convert all of your forms uh, over to this. And here's the other added features that you might get for it. Um, so I can make a suggestion, try something different that I already think works well and uh, will solve your problem and then some. Um, and then every once in a while, there's times where this usually has only been the case with hosting, where I basically say, I can't take you on as a client unless you chase your ho hosting account. <laughs> um, these are the hosts where I'm not even remember the name to tell you who they are because I just see them and I'm like, oh, you're on something that's like really, really terrible. And it's not like a good company is that expensive. Um, Every once in a while, I'm like, I can't do this unless we make this change. Wisdom right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Megan, I'm sorry. I have one more like sort of agency related question, if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> so obviously, <laughs> from our perspective, we are in the business of building those sites initially for the most part, um, or at least that's what we're specializing in. So um, and maybe there's no clear cut answer to this, but I was just curious about your maybe in your experience. Um, do you do you generally see a sort of uh how do i put this a, a time frame within which a wordpress website kind of outlives its particular usefulness and needs a total redesign and rebuild or is that something that maintenance can kind of stave off almost indefinitely uh sometimes i see that issue but i think uh i think if you so choose, you can continue to keep, you know, an old beat up car running for a long, long time. And you could invest a lot of money into that car to keep like, you know, an antique car in great condition. You can invest a little bit of money into a junker enough to keep it running for as long as you need it. Or you can decide it's not worth it anymore and scrap it and go buy a new car. Um, uh, what I try to do is try to solve the problem my client is having first, but see where I can make recommendations. A current client of mine, we're going through a site redesign because they've been a client for several years and a lot of the problems that they've had cropping up lately, I said, well, this could be solved if we did a bit of a redesign to the site itself. There's just some issues that are baked into the site from before I even got there that you're going to pay me more money to fix these problems than if we just work on a redesign. Um, that happens sometimes. Also with some clients, it's a good way to say, you know, hey, this site is really old. Besides the fact that we have to solve all these problems, you've also gone through a redesign of your branding since then. Don't you think your site should reflect that? Mm -hmm. um, I don't really think there's one, you know, way to say here, here's the way it should, you know, always happen. But uh, 
I can try to, you know, gently push that to clients when I think it's uh, necessary. But I think I also benefit from being the person who is not usually recommending that because I'm honestly like, I don't want to go through that effort uh, that I don't feel like I'm just telling every client just to try to get extra money out of them. Yeah, right. Thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) And also I recommend to other people sometimes, you know, I'm much less likely to go, I'm going to do a complete uh, redesign for you than say, here are people that I've worked with or companies that I trust. And I would recommend looking at them. Um, I do majority of the work for my business myself, uh, which means I have to pick and choose what I'm going to work on. And the benefit for that is I get to choose what I'm going to work on. And I just decided the thing that I don't want to work on is the kind of project that has the, you know, three, six, nine month scope of starting out a new, uh, starting out a brand new website or taking a website and working it through a major redesign. The thing that I want to work on is having somebody hand me the things and say, here's a list of the things that need to get done. And I go, great, let's do it. Cool. So I am wondering, um, are your clients usually experienced with working with a developer or is it typically a site that they set up themselves and then needed help with? Generally, it is people who've had sites set up for them. Um, Some of my larger clients are other agencies. And so they, uh, you know, just want to focus on building something new and then having someone come in and solve uh, things for them. And they do something that I'm not as good at, which is, um, I mean, usually one, they have a team of people, but also they're forming these individual relationships with other companies. Uh, By that, I mean, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I think all of the agencies I work with work in a local geographic area. So their clients are all people who are geographically near them. Uh, my clients are from all across the country. And uh, so, you know, I'm not necessarily ever going to see them in person, uh, but they are going and making those connections directly with their clients. And they're good at that part of getting someone to see the skill and uh, the, the, skills that they have, getting someone to see what they can do for them and how they can help and keep that ongoing relationship. And then I can come in and again, solve problems for them, um, which I think is a good you know split. I know that's not my area of expertise. Um, I know it's not where I want to spend my time. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm just really grateful that I have the ability to specialize in that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that makes it easier on you too to know that you're going to get like something consistent from the agencies you're working with. Rather than like, (laughs) I was, I was wondering if you have, I know at my meetup, I used to get a lot of people that like their developer left them high and dry and like, Mm -hmm. or, or just like ghosted them. And like, I can tell like looking, I'm like, oh, it's, it's because the developer only charged you like a hundred dollars. Like I I would have ghosted you. (laughs) Well, that's also something that I've learned over time uh, as a potential red flag is when what someone comes and talks to me about, whether it's at a meetup at a WordCamp a potential client is they spend time talking about the bad experiences that they had with the other developers, because I've been on that other end where I go, Oh, this person doesn't communicate with me. This person is extremely vague in what they're asking. This person doesn't send me files that, you know, I need and then expects things to be done. And I'm like, well, we can't do it until we have, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I realized that uh, sometimes not always, but sometimes those stories of bad developers or bad agencies it's actually a story of a bad client and they just don't realize it. <laughs> um, again, not always, not just putting all the blame on the clients, mm-hmm. but everyone's I, I think it's, uh, I can empathize a little bit with that mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Usually, usually what I'm seeing is like, yeah, that developer was backed into a corner and, mm-hmm. and they just didn't take the time to send a, an email to fire their client. <laughs> just yeah. Never <laughs> Hopefully they'll just go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's also, um, so for things like, okay, well, we have, you know, clients who aren't able to, uh, get email from their sites because, um, so you're nodding along when I was talking about that one, because, you know, the, the server that they're on some shared hosting is maybe getting marked as spam or it's just not sending it at all. And so they need to move to a specialized system. Uh, so, you know, I might set them up with Mailgun or SendGrid or, um, just some email provider. And I do not maintain those accounts for my clients. I have like documents and I go, here's how you sign up for account. And here's how you can grant me delegate access. Same for their uh, registrar uh, for any domains and same for pretty much anything that's going to cost them money ongoing. So if I have a plugin with unlimited licenses, it really doesn't hurt me to say, or even if I, you know, get a few and I can just put it onto a client site, it doesn't bother me to just do that. 
But if it's something that is like key to their business, like their hosting account, their registrar, um, mail providers. Uh, one of my clients wanted me to run uh, some uh, payments through my PayPal account for her. Like, and it wasn't, it was not a, I'm trying to be spammy or I'm trying to be sneaky. It's just like, like, I don't want to have to sign up for a PayPal account. Can you just do it and have it route to me? And I was like, no. And the main reason is I even tell them, I'm like, look, something's going to, you know, happen one day that you're going to move on to someone else. You're going to find a new company to work with. I'm not going to be doing this work anymore. Anything that happens, I don't want to be in that position where you don't have access to your things. And I mean, sometimes that's honestly all the problem I see is that, uh, Someone will say, oh, so-and-so locked me out of my site. And again, I, I feel like I, I, the only reason I'm pushing back in this way is because I do regularly hear client uh, stories that are, you know, so-and-so left me high and dry. And it turns out that's correct. But also there are the times where it's like, someone locked me out of my site. And the real answer is just, no, you just didn't ever respond when they said, what email should your things go to? Mm-hmm. I had a client who I um, set up a new site for, and uh, I asked them repeatedly, Uh, There's, you know, when you change the email for the admin of a WordPress site, it sends that person an email. They have to click that link. So they have to confirm it. I asked this client repeatedly, you received an email. I know you did. (laughs) Click the confirm button so that you can have the admin email ownership on your own site. And they never did it. And I asked them like half a dozen times across. Okay. Okay. But at that point, (laughs) did you just go into the database and just change it? (laughs) I mean, you know, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> it seemed the, the reason that it came up is that because part of it, I mean, in that case, it was partly a test where I'm just like, okay, you'll email me and say, here, I need you to update this content. And I go, sure, here, I update it. By the way, I just sent you this other email. Can you click on it? And they just ignore all the responses. There's like the thing I needed got done. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, but, but uh, the, 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 the point there, I guess, is just that sometimes it's not as simple as it seems when you say, you know, oh, I've lost access to everything. And I try to do my best to ensure that I'm never that point of failure for a client. Because um, I know somebody who's not technically adept won't realize necessarily that, uh, that that is the problem that they're having. And then they'll go to someone else and be like, oh, I don't have access to any of that stuff. My developer's keeping all of it. Mm-hmm. There's so many moving parts to mm-hmm. just having a website that's, that exists. <laughs> it's not just a singular thing um yeah and i don't expect everybody to understand that why why would you like it's our job to sort that sort of stuff out but absolutely i tell my clients when uh when i onboard them i say i'm going to make things as simple or as detailed as you want i can tell you that i solved the problem i can tell you that i solved the problem and here's the steps i went through or i can tell you i solved the problem here's the steps and here's why it was a problem in the first place and here's what we're going to do to alleviate it from happening again in the future. Um, not everybody wants that much detail. Some people are comforted by it. Some people just want to make sure the thing got done. That's all I need to know. Yeah. So on the point of ownership, I really like that you make sure your clients have access to absolutely everything, even if they're not, you know, using <laughs> it right then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking that relates a little to uh, the indie web movement and the the stuff that you promote with that. So want to share about what what the goal is with that movement and um maybe how it relates to like your work and wordpress yeah um i will always say whenever i'm asked about the indie web that there are a lot of people who know a lot more about it than i do who are involved in the wordpress space writing the same plugins that i actually use on my sites uh and making things work um so i always recommend people find some of these people you can find um, on the website indieweb.org. It's a very well-organized wiki that also has um, a whole section just specifically on WordPress. And so there's a few names that you'll see uh, at some of your local WordPress meetups who are actually writing the tools that I'm talking about. So I never want to be like, I'm the expert on this. Uh, but I will say that um, it's personally something that I find very important. And I think that more people should focus on. I honestly think a lot of these things that are done with plugins should probably be part of WordPress core. And I know I'm not alone in that because there's a lot of track tickets for it. Um, sorry. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, since we haven't talked about the indie web on the, I mean, we've only got like four or five episodes so far, but we haven't talked about the indie web. So can you give us a broad sort of overview, like what, just what the heck it is? Yeah. Um, so the idea of the indie web is that you are the uh, person who maintains ownership 
of the things that you create online. Um, whenever I give a presentation at like a meetup or at a WordCamp that involves the indie web, I say, all of you are here. You're probably using WordPress on your site. Therefore, you are already part of the indie web. Uh, you're already part of the indie web movement. You are selling your products via your website and not via Shopify or Facebook Marketplace or something. You are writing your blog post on your own site. You're not writing them on Medium and um, you know, sharing that out or on Tumblr or something else. And uh, some of those services are actually pretty good at respecting other sites. Um, Medium, as an example, does let you put canonical URLs to a different site than Medium. So you can say that, you know, here, where it actually comes from is my site and mm -hmm. uh, cross post it. Um, platforms like Tumblr can integrate well into other sites. They allow you to embed things. They allow you to cross uh, share things. Um, but there's a lot of tools that a lot of websites if they're focused on their own corporate need to grow at all costs, then understandably they don't want to send people away. Um, so there's a lot of websites, a lot of uh, social media mainly that does not allow this. You know, I can't take my uh, Facebook post and put it directly onto my website without just embedding a Facebook widget. I also can't write a blog post on my website and cross post it to Facebook without using a tool that's basically copying and pasting into a Facebook account. Um, same with, you know, most other social media platforms. They'll even go so far as to like, uh, you know, their, their algorithms will, you know, uh, what do you call it? Downplay or whatever posts that might have external links in them on their own platform. I noticed yeah. that with Twitter, Instagram doesn't let you have a link in your, I mean, you could put a link in there. You can't click on it, you know, so even both ways, right? And if I don't have an Instagram account and you send me a link to a specific thing on Instagram, <laughs> I can't see it directly. Or I can start looking at someone's profile and scroll down, you know, about one screen worth before it's like, here, sign up if you want to keep looking at things. Uh, you know, you don't need a login to go view blog post on my site. Um, most of my time on social media is now spent on uh, Mastodon, which is a uh, open source social media platform that's micro status based so kind of like twitter it looks very much like twitter uh but there's a lot more focus on ownership of content and on a lot more control over interactions who can see your content who can interact with it um and i like that because it you can do a lot more with it yourself i can take things that i put there cross post them elsewhere i can ensure that uh, things aren't going, you know, places where I don't want them to be, or that uh, I'm not worried about like writing something and having someone quote tweet me later on it. Um, or uh, just really, I just like the fact that I get to connect with a lot more people who have that as a common goal. Mm. We want to have more ownership. We want to take away some of the ownership of large corporations. Um, when it comes to my personal site, the main thing that would be visible from the front end of the site is when I write a blog post, I will cross post it to places like Twitter and uh, Mastodon. And if somebody interacts with it on one of those sites, that can then be pulled back into my site. So an example, I can post, here's my latest blog post. And I put a link on Twitter. And uh, thanks to the uh, magic of web mentions, uh, I can, when somebody then responds to my tweet with a tweet of their own, it gets pulled into my site as a comment on that specific post. And then I can write a response to that comment. This part is because I've authorized it with Twitter, like as an app. When I write a comment on my site responding to theirs, it will then post it as a tweet from my account responding to their tweet. So I can and interact I in the place. And I mean, you know, don't you want the, the conversation around your content to exist where your content is um, and not have it be so ephemeral? Uh, I mean, you know, not always the case, but when it comes to like a blog post I spent a lot of time on, I kind of like that. Even if it's just um, not many people, you know, will go and log in and interact on a WordPress.com site, but a lot of people will just quick click like or retweet on a tweet linking an article. And now I can show that social proof on my site. Mm. I need to get on that. I need to get on that. I was just looking at that <laughs> on your site today and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was clicking um, on them and I'm like, there's I'm still things now. that I'd like to change about it. For one thing, I try to limit the amount of um, interaction that shows on a specific post because it's pulling in uh, it, not live, but it's pulling in data regularly. So it's not like saving copies of your profile picture, for instance. So I really don't want every article to have it linking to, you know, 20, 30 different uh, Twitter profiles and I have to make all those requests and slow down the site. Um, I haven't really done anything about that myself yet, <laughs> besides limiting the number that just show at one time. Uh, again, this one, I don't remember who wrote this specific plugin I'm using there. Um, there's some people, 
whose names I'm not going to try to say because I'm going to mispronounce them all. Um, but I will say if you go to the WordPress uh, plugin repository and type in the word IndieWeb, there is actually a plugin, uh, the IndieWeb plugin, which is like a wrapper for a lot of other plugins. And so you can look through them, see which ones would be useful for your site and install and toggle them on and off from there. Uh, so you'll still be installing like, you know, five, 10 plugins, but you have one that's kind of like a guide that can help you choose the right ones. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I'm a fan. Um, and obviously like WordPress is democratizing publishing. So it's just taking it one step further and making sure the ownership matches. So that's neat. That's really most important for me is making sure people have ownership. I really, um, you know, I'm saddened that more people don't have, like, I understand there's a lot of work that goes into running a website. We run businesses where we build websites for people and do maintenance for people. Uh, but also, especially for creatives um, that I, you know, friends of mine who have web comics or are musicians or uh, artists or, you know, whatever, that they don't have their own websites. And they're just like, yeah, go to my, you know, Instagram profile to see my work, go to my, um, you know, wherever to see the things that I'm working on. And I'm like, at the very least, you could have a splash page that has a link to all those different places mm-hmm. so that you have a place in the end that is yours. If, um, you know, some platform stops being very uh, profitable for you or stops being as uh, important for others, then that's not going to be very helpful to you. Uh, So like, I'm not going to tell my friend who's a musician, sell your music directly from your website. I will still say, sell it from Bandcamp where people already have accounts. I go and, you know, buy stuff there regularly and it has a whole good system built for that. So they don't have to maintain that. But, um, but if that's the only place that they're at, then all the eggs in one basket. Yeah. Cool. So switching gears a little bit, uh, wanted to know what the coolest WordPress project you worked on is. So I was thinking about that and I don't know, I don't really know what I would describe as cool, like in the, oh, this is the, the coolest thing that you want to look at. But, uh, but I am thinking about a specific client um, who I solved a problem for them in a way that I believe made their company I won't say it made them more money. I will say it reduced the amount of time that he was working on this portion of the site from like 20 hours a week to two hours a week, which I think is more important than, you know, like saving so much time than just making a lot more money. Um, So I had a client who uh, works with, um, this is going to sound very vague and very weird. I'm going to say, not weird, but uh, he works with larger organizations that have their own membership bases. Uh, so like chambers of commerce, things like that, that have their own, you know, businesses that are members and then um, helps them find wholesale deals with other companies. So to help them manage their IT, their, you know, infrastructure, their printing, things like that. You um, basically can do like group buys. Like here, I have a hundred clients I'm representing. Give us a discount staples or whatever. Um, when we were working together, or when we started working together, he told me a bit about the process that he was doing, which was basically having things on his website, having his clients be able to go there. And then they would call him on the phone. And I should also clarify, I'm fine with talking to my clients on the phone. I'm fine with sending emails. I'm fine with doing all these things. But when we're talking about the thing where this is the main business component, they would call him on the phone, talk to him about things. He would have a spreadsheet that he keeps where he would then contact these other companies. And the other companies had salespeople. Like he was talking to you know, he wasn't talking like, I'm going to use Staples as an example. He wasn't talking to Staples. He was talking to Jim at the Staples. Um, uh, I just said Jim because I'm thinking about the office. Basically like the <laughs> office. He was talking to a specific yeah, guy okay. at the office to buy the paper from. Mm-hmm. So he had a specific relationship established with a certain specific person. He wasn't just shouting into the void at a company. Mm-hmm. So that person could easily have not had him as the middleman there, you know, talking to the clients. Uh, so we set up a system that would, uh, we used Gravity Forms and we um, made some custom post types on the site where he could enter information, he could enter service groups. And then we were using um, Paid Memberships Pro for the clients to then give access to their members. And so they also had something that they could sell their members on basically. Like, hey, if you become a member of our organization, you get access to all this stuff. So they had something that they could sell people on new. Those people could then sign up on their own you know, he wouldn't have to go manage signups for them. They would have a specific group code. So they'd go to the right place. And then they would use these forms um, that it was slightly modified. Like we did a little bit of custom code to get them to work together between the two plugins. But honestly, it was just a gravity form. That's like, if this person is filling out this form, send it to this other person. And he would have copies of all this. 
but just when he told me the process that he had of like, yeah, well, they call me, they do this, we keep a spreadsheet, then I call this other person and we do this and we go back and forth. I'm like, that is extremely inefficient. They probably don't even want to do that. They probably <laughs> would just rather go to the site and go, oh, look, I can do this. Click, 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 send a thing. And it goes directly to the person who needs it. Um, so I don't want to say like that's, you know, that doesn't look very cool. But to me, it's cool because we were able to use some off the shelf tools, a little bit of custom code to, you know, link them together well. At this point, I probably could have just used like Zapier or something to do the things that we wrote custom code for um, and had a no code system for saving somebody a lot of time in his job. I mean, I mean, I think that's cool. I I do too, because I can go, look here, here's the thing that you are specifically going to see. And yeah, it helps other people on other parts of the chain. There's a little bit less uh, miscommunication. There's a new sales pitch for the organizations that he works with, things like that. So sure, there's some added benefits but the main thing i you know was focused on was let's get all of this tremendous amount of paperwork off your desk and let's get you off the phone some so that you can focus on other things well yeah i would love to have an extra 18 hours per week (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love process work i think that's that's one of the most fun things about being a web developer is like saving people time and doing Mm -hmm. things that seem so complicated that's what software is right yeah Automating what it should be. should be. That's what it should be. If uh, I think that it should really be focused on helping people do their jobs better or more efficiently or save time, but not specifically to replace it with other things, but to give people back some of their lives. When do the when do the software developers themselves get back some of their lives? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so that's a. a that but that is something that actually really interests me. So okay, if you are if you're trying to be a software developer at a major company, at the kind of companies in like Silicon Valley that we all throw shade at because they're destroying the world, that's I don't want to say that's fine to be that person, but sure, that's the path that you've chosen to be that person. I specifically have chosen the path not to be that person. In part, it's me just saying I'm going to, you know, remain independent now at the moment I'm not working at any other company, I will contract with some other companies, you know, some other WordPress agencies and things. And I like that, but I also like having the independence of my own to choose what I'm doing, when I'm doing, how I'm doing it. That also means that I'm not making as much money if I went to one of these companies and, uh, you know, chose to do something that was focused a lot on major growth or focused on building a large agency. When I was working with my friends building an agency, uh, we topped out at five people and uh, that was still a lot to manage. And I really like being able to have more say in what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And, um, you know, part of that is being very lucky that I've been able to build a lot of relationships in the WordPress community. Part of it is ensuring that I focus on having multiple revenue streams and not just, you know, all of my eggs in one basket. Um, And part of that has been really concerted focus on my end to what is most important to me. And that is having my time to myself and my control. Um, it's not the fun answer of I'm going to be, you know, a millionaire writing tools and it's cool. I think that some people who, um, you know, have written some of the plugins that I use every day do amazing work, but I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no. Yeah. Me, me being cheeky about that. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, too, it's not that actually cut and dry. We we're in WordPress, uh, in, in this um, sort of environment because we do get some of those benefits that you just mentioned, but you know, other plugins that we can utilize to do, you know, a large portion of, you know, what would have been custom, you know, functionality, business, business functionality, et cetera. So, uh, we're lucky in that regard. Last year I read, um, uh, Anna Wiener's new book, uh, Uncanny Valley. Not book; well, it was new last year. Um, it is a, a memoir of the time that she was working with multiple Silicon Valley companies, um, doing marketing and advertising for them. And uh, a lot of the things that she says in the book, you're like, "Are you sure you didn't just write this for an episode of Silicon Valley or something?" They seem to the point of parody, mm. um, but. I, I can absolutely believe that somebody who was, you know, at some of these companies from, you know, she's been at some of these companies 
not not at each company, but I mean, she's been working in the tech industry for decades and working with companies before, you know, the internet was in everyone's pocket. And I believe her when she talks about like how insanely people work and how much focus there is on, sure, you have unlimited uh, vacation time, which means you're working 18 hours a day because you don't want to fall behind everyone else around you. And I don't know, I just don't, <laughs> I don't see any value in there. I really don't think somebody working themselves to death has made my experience on social media any better. In fact, I kind of think it's done the opposite, but most likely, yeah, they're not focused on necessarily, uh, you know, giving, giving you things, unless that means it gives them things, aka the big corporate uh, overlord. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, even though we're in tech, I just like discovered something that i didn't realize with a lot of the e-commerce sites i just like discovered it on a podcast the other day that there's these like pricing algorithms and this is like where the point where the automation get, gets to that uncanny valley area where it's like well you shouldn't automate to that extent mm-hmm. and it was um the fact that they watch other sites and will increase the price for the particular product so there was like a a book on Amazon that was like twenty four thousand dollars. Yeah, like or a something. textbook. Like, why? <laughs> yeah, I did not know about it. And, and the same thing with Wayfair. I didn't realize that until I listened to this, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that a cabinet shouldn't be worth like you know tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> that doesn't make sense." And it isn't to the people who made it, but it is to the people who are selling it. If someone is willing to buy it for that price, and... yeah, yeah, I yeah. sure maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, giving up so much, uh, giving up so much control uh, to computers. I mean, in some ways, again, if it is actually made to free up your time and uh, free up your life for other things, that's great. But in practice, that is almost never the case. We had all of these grand ideas that technology was going to save us labor, and instead, it has. Well, now I feel like I'm getting away from talking about WordPress and just talking about like my views on. Um... <laughs> My I think we share views. the same views, yeah. so I'm, uh, I'm cool with it. I, I think that, um, you know, we've gotten to the point where obviously we can do more and more faster and faster. We can reach more people. I can send an email right now that can go out to thousands of people, and it takes me a minute to write that email, and it takes each of those thousand people a minute to read the email or respond to it or act on it, and usually much more time and all the stress that comes with having your inbox filled up more and more. And that just seems very lop, uh, very lopsided, you know, very bad that that somebody can do something that can have so much effect on other people um in aggregate without a second thought (laughs) very outsized yeah definitely ironically it's like i we spend all this time reading articles about how to be more productive and use your time better (laughs) um but i was reading this one that talked about the like time confetti where it's like you spend all these like little fragmented moments just like looking at social media or or checking your email and it just breaks your day into these like million little like pieces and for what like for what with all these emails if i could get people to pay me for this so like um uh marie kondo has the um uh the joy of tidying up and you know goes into people and gets paid to go in and organize for people which is a whole other weird thing on its own I mean, I'm not saying that it's not useful to do, but it is kind of weird that we have a cottage industry around organizing other people's stuff and everything like that. But if I could get people to pay me to go in and clean out their email inboxes for them (laughs) and to set them up on good systems that can like help them improve their email time, that would be one kind of, it would be kind of interesting, I think, but also I feel like it would be a valuable service until, you know, unless they don't learn the lessons and things just creep back in. Um, I jealously guard my email inbox and there's usually simple steps, but it's hard to just make yourself do them. But um, I can go like, Oh yeah, I don't have this problem that everyone's talking about because I've put these steps into place in advance. I have processes for these things. You heard it here first folks, (laughs) new new service from fix up Fox. Yeah. I will clean your email email. inbox. I may delete (laughs) my my inbox. (laughs) Um, I migrated away from Gmail uh, and G Suite for my business and my personal email a few years ago. And uh, when I was migrating to a new company, I thought, well, I'm going to go through and you know purge things that I no longer need. And between all of my accounts, including my business account, I purged about 99% of the email. 
in them, like not exaggerating about 99% of the email that uh, I had saved because it's, because it's one button to click archive on um, Gmail. It requires two steps to delete an email. And that's not an accident. <laughs> and again, I know this is off topic for that, but I mean, like that's getting you to get that storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're pushing people. Mm-hmm. Email just doesn't take up enough space. We need more email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What can we do to make people save all their emails? So they need to buy useless space. <laughs> oh, that's so sinister. I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm depressed. No. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about quarantine next. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh God. Yeah, that was next on the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, quarantine uh, has certainly impacted my community involvement. Um, as I mentioned prior to um, prior to the pandemic, uh, I was a site ground ambassador. I would travel to some you know uh, events, WordPress events, and other technical events. And uh, while giving whatever presentation I was already given, um, I would also you know if people had questions, I could talk to them about site ground. It's a hosting company that I've used for eight years now and they only approached me about being an ambassador like two years ago so it's definitely not a you know they grabbed me to do it because they were identifying people that already used and loved their product um and uh it was really nice to be able to go to events and one not have to pay for every WordCamp out of pocket but also to have like a little ingrown community there of people um people who i already uh like talking to and i can you know talk to them about this as well and work together um I did not keep up with very many events once the uh, pandemic started. I think I gave like three online presentations and then I just started not applying to any events anymore and turning down requests. Cause I was just like, this is not, it's not nearly the same. Um, don't, I, I like some things about online events. Um, and I think that online event spaces can be good. I definitely agree when the um, organizers of WordCamp US uh, just decided to cancel the event entirely because of burnout from both the people working on it and people attending online events, it's really not the same. If you want to have an online event, you can have people record videos and you can put the videos on a playlist somewhere and say, you know, here, go watch these. Cause it's going to be about the same thing. I think I have not, I have yet to see a good online event that has gotten all of the important things, right? The ability to have back and forth with the speakers that, you know, is not mediated through zoom call, the ability to, um, to meet people and, just discuss what you're working on or, you know, find someone new for that project you mean to do. It's not a coincidence that I get a lot of my clients when I travel to WordCamps because I get to talk to people about what I'm doing and I get to demonstrate some knowledge or, you know, find out more about their business first. Um, so yeah, quarantine has definitely changed how uh, I've been involved in the WordPress community. Um, unfortunately, I've not been keeping up on it super well, I'll admit. Um, like I said, I, I put a theme, I have a theme that's up on the WordPress repository now. It took me about a year to get that theme up there from first uh, submitting it. And that was in part because just other things in my life got in the way of wanting to focus on, you know, writing code to put up somewhere when I'm already doing that. <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I'm being honest, I think a lot of things stagnated over the past year and it's going to take a lot of work. And I'm talking about myself personally, but I'm also talking about uh, the WordPress community and other, I mean, honestly, probably every community in general, it's going to take a lot of work to get back the positive things that were lost before the pandemic. Um, I think it's going to happen. I think that it needs to happen responsibly. I'm happy that, you know, like the WordPress foundation has made, you know, a blanket statement about the entire year of 2021. Uh, Cause sure I am eligible as of today. I'm eligible to get my vaccination. Now I'm on a list and I'm really excited to get that going. And I'm trying to see if I can get it faster and faster. Um, the college near me had lines like crazy long lines this morning. And so I decided to focus on getting an appointment somewhere. So I wouldn't have to do all that. Uh, but, but, you know, while I'm excited for that, I already know I'm not attending any other events this year. Um, you know, I, I think that it's irresponsible. And um, I know that means another year that we're losing some of these connections. When we come back, hopefully in 2022 and start rebuilding these in-person communities, I think it's going to be a lot different than beforehand. I think in some ways a really good thing, but it also means that a lot of work that we've done over the years is going to have gotten lost of how to, how to do these events, how to interact with people. Not like, I don't mean like, Oh, I forgot how to talk to people, but you know, finding <laughs> out what bit. things, <laughs> but finding out what things are really important and finding out what things, um, you know, what our role should be. 
uh, one of my favorite events that we had at the Orlando WordPress meetup was once a month, uh, we, I would host like an office hours of sorts at a local coffee shop and anyone who was free at that time could come by. Uh, thankfully we had some other developers and marketers and designers who would also come to. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't me. It was basically some people who would term experts uh, who you could come and say like, here, I'm having this problem on my site. Can you help me with it? And um, a lot of times it's the kind of thing that we go, sure. Of course, I've seen this a bunch of times. We can solve this in five minutes and it's been giving you headaches for a week because you don't know what you're looking at. Um, and that's, that's the part that I miss the most because it's that kind of thing where we're able to really help people in a, in an environment that's less focused on like, again, let's go through this big process of trying to, you know, figure out, I mean, I'm not, I'm not downplaying selling your services. I definitely want to get paid for my work, but it sometimes it is easy just to sit down next to somebody and just go, yes, I know what that problem is you're having. Let me help you walk through it. Click, click, click. We've solved the problem. Yeah. I know there were some people when I first started doing our meetup, occasionally we would get people that like, didn't really even know what the meetup was. They just knew that there was like a meetup happening at that location and they would just kind of <laughs> show up <laughs> or they, they wouldn't have read like any of the info about it. And those people are definitely hurting right now because they just like heard of it through word of mouth or, mm -hmm. you know, saw it on a calendar or something and, and showed up and had had issues with their site that they needed to fix. Some of them, I think, hadn't even heard of WordPress, but <laughs> they got to that day. Um, and I know the online events, the biggest thing that's missing is the networking right now. Um, and yeah, I was on the sponsor team for US and we had been talking about like, how do you, how do you get like that sponsor interaction? Because mm -hmm. you don't just walk by them anymore and you can't just like start a random conversation with them in the hallway. So to get people to want to go into like a zoom room with a sponsor is a little intimidating if you're just an attendee and you know if you already have a preconceived idea of who company x is why would you why would you go into a call with those people <laughs> so that was one of the biggest things we struggled with with the online was was sponsorship and that that networking so i was hoping to see more people try like different styles that aren't necessarily word camps but aren't necessarily you know just online presentations either mm -hmm. have you have you done any of the learn workshops uh, either recording one or attending any uh, i um i recorded one at the last word camp us um i was a uh additional speaker the other uh three speakers um ali nimmons being one of them um uh, aruba ahmed and um michelle Schulp did a great presentation and uh, I, they brought me in at one point to add on a little bit because um, we had had some, we had had some things that we thought might be useful for the presentation. And so um, I did contribute to one of them because I ended up going on to learn site, but that was about the extent that I did was I helped to give a presentation. <laughs> it's still cool. I mean, it, it does make you wonder like, how do we never have something like that before? Like a page with uh, actual workshops versus you know wordpress.tv which is just a, a stream of like everything right yeah if you go to wordpress.tv you'll see that most of the most of the videos don't have very many views um because i don't think i think it's kind of an underutilized resource you know a lot of people can put their own videos on their own youtube accounts and you know create successful here's how you do this in wordpress videos uh but we have this i mean it's, it's basically an untapped uh, thing of people who've already said, yes, here's my content. You can give it away for free. You know, please let people use it and see it. Uh, that it's the hardest part is surfacing the useful content, um, which require, I mean, which it is a volunteer team. I will give them that just like, you know, captioning videos, you know, we would have meetups sometimes that are just around. Let's watch a video and caption it or things like that. Um, like, don't worry. I understand that doing all that is volunteer labor. Um, but if some of that labor were done, it could be such a valuable resource. And I'm glad that some people are taking that up. So what are you most excited about with the future of WordPress? Let's say like 2021, but beyond. Um, I'm really excited about people having more of a space of their own. Uh, it's gotten a lot easier to do things with WordPress. Some things have gotten a lot more complicated. Certainly the technology stack keeps getting more and more complicated, but we also don't need all of that technology stack sometimes. If you have a good basis, a good way to start up. Um, honestly, that's something that I also wish I was doing more, which is just helping people start new websites. You know, not like here, we're going to build a custom thing for you. Most companies don't need something really custom to start, an off the shelf theme, 
the proper plugins, but having that um, knowledge of, you know, which ones to go with and what are the pros and cons of one to say, here's the right one for you um, is very useful. But if once people get to that point, that's the part that I'm excited about is more people having their own space to start their own businesses, to share their own stories, to um, just do things online that, again, they have a bit more ownership of, they have a bit more control of, uh, but also they can do more things with later. They're not going to be on you know, a site going, oh, I like doing this here, but I can't do this other thing that I want to do, or I want to expand what I'm doing. Um, of course, with WordPress site, you can do almost anything you can think of. Uh, so what I'm really hopeful for is things getting easier and easier uh, for the average user while getting more and more powerful for people who want to expand and develop on it. Uh, the block editor has been really great here. You know, it was bumpy when it first started, but now thankfully the majority of the websites I'm working on are using the block editor. They aren't using, you know, the classic editor. Um, I mean, honestly, it, it, again, it can be a pain sometimes, but it's made things a lot easier. It certainly makes things a lot easier for me when I'm writing and when I'm putting content together. Um, I'm looking forward to more people coming in who never knew there was another editor before that and just having, you know, a great experience without any preconceived notions of what it should be like. That's a good point. Yeah. What are your thoughts on full site editor then? Uh, are you excited about it? <laughs> I am excited about it generally. It's certainly going to change things for, I mean, certainly for theme developers. Um, but if I'm being honest, uh, most themes that are popular now, I find are because they are good at sales. They're good at their marketing and that's not a bad thing, but there's not really a ton that I see that really separates theme A from theme B at this point. You know, a good theme is going to be um, putting all of the useful features into plugins anyway. A good theme is going to get out of the way of people trying to create content and not try to force you into a specific layout or using their specific page builder, for instance. Um, so I would love to see designers take center stage in terms of here, we're going to craft a you know, a style guide, we're going to craft a narrative around what the site can be like and allow you to fill that in with, uh, with your content. Um, so like when, when I talk to uh, people about page builders, I go, it's cool that you can take this and make it get 30 different fonts to choose from and make this, you know, highlighted red and do this and this and that. But is that going to look good on your site? You paid someone for a theme because they already did all the work of finding typography that goes together and making layouts and colors that go well together. You focus on your thing, making your content. You let them handle the, you know, layout of it. That's us. Let us handle <laughs> design and the layout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't played with the editor yet, but I have it on my list. I know they're they're doing a lot of testing on it right now. So yeah, I mean, it's um, cool. it's definitely going to be more complicated before it's simple, simpler. Um, it's an it's an entirely new way of uh, doing things in WordPress, which also, again, means for people like us who have preconceived notions of what WordPress is like. Um, an example that I give to some people when they come to the meetups is uh, I can, when they ask me, do you know how to do X? And my answer, uh, you know, my honest answer to them is I don't, but I do know how to find out um, because they can say, I want to change this menu item on my site. And I go, I've never been on your site before. It could be in the menus uh, setting page. It could be a widget. It could be something that somebody hard-coded in. It could be part of a setting of a theme. So no, I can't tell you here's how we're going to do it, but I can sit with you and we can figure it out. Um, that's going. I think that kind of problem is what we're going to have for a while <laughs> with full site mm -hmm. editing. Mm -hmm. uh, but hopefully, you know, that will those edges will be sanded off and we can go, yeah, we're going to go here and we're going to, you know, be able to just click directly on that menu item and change the text right there and hit save. Well, and you're, you'll be in the perfect position for <laughs> once it launches. Uh, I mean, I have, I have converted some client sites to using the block editor and I have been selling clients on it, um, you know, already for that. I have not yet discussed full site editing with any of them because I don't think it's the kind of thing that, you know, a client should be focused on right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking um, people, once people get those from developers, then you'll get that little trickle mm -hmm. of all the people that need help with it afterwards. Yeah, I, I think uh, it grows the, grows the ecosystem for all of us. Yeah. Cool. Do you have anything else that you wanted to plug? Um, uh, well, I know that you asked uh, early about my newsletter. I have a weekly newsletter oh, that yeah. I've been doing for several years now. Um, it started out as a tech newsletter back in like 2016, where I was just talking about tech things that made me angry. <laughs> um, but then I revamped it um, 
like a year or two ago. And it's kind of just like the content that I've consumed that week that I find interesting along with some thoughts around that. I've had a lot of fun doing that. And, uh, you know, it's nice when people read it and actually like write me a response email. So that's something that I just do for fun. Um, I don't really have any like public projects that I can go. This is the thing that I want to direct everybody towards. <laughs> theme. Yeah. And then yeah, like, the theme. Yeah, <laughs> new theme. The theme. I'm going to be updating it this week. What, what is actually, what is the name of the theme? Uh, the theme is called Velox, V-E-L-O-X. Um, I named it after uh, the Latin name for the swift fox, Velox mm-hmm. Fulfus, because both my company named Fixit Fox and also the idea is um, I saw a presentation from a, a WordPress developer on making a very lightweight theme trimming out as much as he could. And I started doing that. And then of course I added in some options and features for people to uh, play around with. I will say I'm happy that multiple people have told me on Twitter when reviewing it, that um, it has the best uh, customizer options for a free theme on the repo that they've seen. Mm. And I didn't think about that. I just thought, well, how would I want to make this easy for someone to do these things? That's how there's going to the customizer and do that built in way to do that. The customizer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And, um, and so, so I really appreciated that, but that was a, uh, yeah, basically I was just going, I want to build something that is very lightweight, mainly gets out of the way of your content. You can make a few adjustments to make content look good. And then you're focused on, you know, using the block editor to put in whatever things you want. Um, it also is uh, set up to be very indie web compatible for things like uh, schema, microdata, um, a special place for web mentions to go, things like that. Uh, just a little, the back end things that I think, here's what I would find important in a theme. I mean, I built it for my own site. So <laughs> that was basically that. Cool. I'm definitely going to check it out. I'm, I'm interested, especially in the uh, indie web stuff. Yeah. So just uh, you can go to the WordPress theme repository. It's V-E-L-O-X. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It was fun getting a chance to actually meet you and talk about all the the maintenance stuff that was exciting yeah thanks for chatting about it and um i know now i'm thinking about like all the things that i need to uh honestly right now i'm like oh all the things i said these are the things that i should be putting into my branding materials (laughs) thank you so much for listening if you want to learn more about David's services, head over to fixupfox.com. If there's anyone you want to hear from in a future episode or a topic you'd like to talk about, please DM us on Twitter at intheloop underscore WP or send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. And if you'd like to check out our work, please visit blackbird.digital. We'll be back with a new episode in a few weeks. <laughs>